0: Welcome to Path to Glory, a Warhammer Underworlds podcast that focuses on competitive gaming, player development, and community growth. Jonathan here, continuing our Warband Wisdom series, where my regular co-host Amon and I are taking turns covering each Warband with a special guest. Uh, We do want these episodes to be as evergreen as possible, but as a point of reference, this episode was recorded on April 21st, 2020, um my special guest today is Jonathan Lloyd, a player in my local meta who is here to help me talk about the Sepulchral Guard. Um how are you doing today, Jonathan? Well, as well as can be expected given the pandemic. Yeah, yeah. It's uh it's very strange times. I just found out today that the uh, ATC tournament is definitely canceled. <laughs> so I'm sad about that. But yeah, uh, it, it,
1: Comic-Con was canceled for the first time. So I mean like yeah, it's yeah. uh uh, everything everything good
0: <laughs> so it's okay that we have a we have a double jonathan episode we will <laughs> talk so about like, some skeletons so it's like our normal weeks at the game store <laughs> yeah pretty pretty much <laughs> um so we're going to go through some questions um as a bit of an introduction for you so the listeners okay. can uh, know you a little bit better um just uh first off how long have you been involved in wargaming
1: Oh, geez. Uh, Since (laughs) high school, uh, I started with 40K back in the day. I had Dark Angels originally, uh, and I painted those and then sold them. And then sometime around second edition, I got into Tyranids, and that was kind of my big when I kind of re-got back into it. And when third and fourth edition came out is when I really heavily invested in Tyranids. I have Mm -hmm. Tyranids, I have Necrons for 40 k um, and I have a handful of Imperial Guard and a lot of Store cults, so mainly Tyranids. If I had to define myself as a, <laughs> a 40k player, it would be Tyranids. Uh, for Fantasy, I play Fantasy as well. I have a giant Tomb Kings army, right, so I've been playing Undead for a while. And um, I have a bunch of Night Nighthaunt in boxes still that I haven't assembled. That's kind of my next project. And then um, the new uh, Mega Guardians look super sexy, though, so I will probably buy some of those. <laughs> cool. And uh, so, but war gaming—I've done a War Machine, Warhammer, um, all kinds of tabletop board games, and I spent way too much
0: money on models. <laughs> I think so. we we all have in some way, yeah. <laughs> I have a whole Space Marine army I don't even touch anymore. So, um, let's see. When did you start playing Underworld specifically?
1: Um, first season. When it first came out, like, I, when the Sepulchre Guard box came out, that's when I bought it. I actually bought it because of them. They were my first, first warband, and that's when I kind of
0: pulled pulled the trigger and bought everything. Cool, so, yeah. I know I know that you were playing them uh, when I started, which I think was, like, right before Nightball came out. Um, yeah. And it seemed like they had been your main focus.
1: Yeah, I, I played them for a pretty long while, but, I mean, I have hundreds of games with the with the guard just kind of beating my head against the wall trying to figure out how to play them well and so they, yeah. they definitely are one of my more comfortable war bands then and probably the thorns the
0: briar Queen are probably my two the two war bands i have the most time with yeah that makes sense um are there any particular aspects of the game that you enjoy uh the most or what you, what is it that you like about this game compared to other games
1: I feel like it really rewards player agency, like the like the ability to build a deck. Uh, like there, there's dice and stuff too, and I've played like games like Blood Bowl and Monads. That's where dice are super swingy, but mm-hmm. in this game, with the cards and the really tight board setup, it just feels very tactical. And like my my particular decisions I make during the game are either rewarded or punished. <laughs> uh, so it feels like so it feels like you know like it it really rewards you and. Unless you're doing some of those weird swings or you have dice go against you, it do, it does feel like uh, it's just a really enjoy. It's probably the best game I think that Games Workshop has made yet, like just for balance and just the way it all
0: works. It's just yeah, really soft. yeah, I think I generally agree. It's uh, it's a lot of fun. Um, are there any special achievements um, that you're currently proud of as far as Underworlds goes? Uh, well, I mean, I I have three Shade Glass trophies. Uh, one with yep.
1: Malig one and then two with the thorns of the rare queen, um, but I, I mean, I think that's okay. I mean, I, I got I did yeah, pretty good yeah. at one of the Warhammer. I, Grand, I, I know uh, like, I was at all three of those tournaments. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you're, you're, my neme- <laughs> you're my nemesis. You're my nemesis. Here, so <laughs> yeah.
0: if, if if I don't
1: win, I'm generally like the one on the top table with you and the one that lost when you
0: got the trophy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Our local meta can can be pretty tough. I know that yeah, I'm usually fighting you and Robert and John and ta- uh, Tim for the. Yeah. Uh,
1: we have a handful uh, of like grand. <laughs> we, yeah, we have you. You're like the grand clash winner here, but like, yeah, most of most of our local players are just very high level. There's a handful of like brand new players that aren't much of a challenge, but like our regular play is like super high level, <laughs> and it's a yeah. little challenging sometimes.
0: Yeah, I think uh, I think that's one of the reasons that you know, even though I think we might only have like six people or maybe eight um, at the most, um, I feel like all of us are pretty good, and I think that's one of the reasons that you know I've found success as well as just kind of no life in this game. <laughs>
1: so, yeah, I mean, like we we play we generally play about twice a week,
0: so yeah, when there's not global crises. Uh, <laughs> so yeah, exactly. Well, are you working on anything? Um, now, underworlds related, or you just. Well, I, I've, been, I've been playing around with a Mansla- or
1: Mantrappers deck. Um, mm-hmm. I have the models pulled out. I'm, I might consider painting them and trying to get them up because I've enjoyed playing them a lot. They're kind of my current Warhammer focus. I have a Subalcal Guard, I've kind of been dealing with. I still have a Thorns deck that I'm. Those are kind of my. The three in my kind of rotation right now.
0: Cool. Uh, yeah, I, I put my yeah. Hrothgarn's on the uh, about to prime them but i haven't <laughs> i haven't found the energy to do anything with all these events being canceled so
1: yeah it's been it's been a little challenge there's not a lot, a lot of um sense of urgency to actually get it painted for like a tournament or something like that but i'd like to yeah. take crossbones to another tournament because uh, i took them to that one uh warhammer game a uh, warhammer store tournament that we did together and i had fun <laughs> um
0: so i'd like to play them some more yeah, yeah, I think we both got absolutely wrecked by a Moloch. Yeah, <laughs> so, uh, Moloch. That was fun. Um, and I guess um the last question, an in introduction, is what is it that you like about the uh, Sepulchral Guard in particular as a warband? You know, I would have to say theme at first because I like I got the Sepulchral Guard because I've
1: long been like an undead player. Mm-hmm. tomb kings and it was like the closest to like the skeleton kind of vampire counts kind of army so i really liked the that so like when there was only like six or eight war bands to choose from it was kind of like pick pick like picking your faction like in a in a like a M- mmo or something so mm-hmm. i just I just really like that i mean like i like the undead i like that it's a big war band and you have a lot of models on the table um i like that they have a lot of kind of neat movement tricks and like with the warden moving guys and something I no, mean mm-hmm. it's just it, it just it feels like you have to really
0: understand the warband and play it well in order to do well with them yeah I, th- I think they did a great job when it uh came to like thematically they sort of behave the way you think they would yeah and uh and the the models are great so I definitely yeah, the- understand that yeah, the mo- the models are
1: gorgeous. Like, like, and they've only got better as each warband comes out.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's one of the cool things about it. Is a lot of these warbands haven't, or a lot of the like Age of Sigmar factions might not have seen an update in a little while. But then you get like these awesome skeleton models or the orc oh, models yeah. and things. Like, like I that. have
1: I have a bunch of the Osiric Bone Reapers that I'm like looking forward to because I might try oh, yeah. to convert my Tomb King army into like a Bone Reapers army. But um, yeah, no, I just I I'm just like undead. That's kind of my <laughs> uh, Age of Sigmar
0: focus. So
1: anything undead, I'm happy that. that's why my second warband was Thorns.
0: So, <laughs> <laughs> cool. Well, that's why we wanted to get you on for this episode. Um, let's dive into the uh, nitty gritty of the warband. Um, how would you describe this warband's fighters and like their roles uh, within the warband if you had to to like a new player?
1: Okay. Um, well, the kind of the crucible of the whole war band is the warden himself. Like he's the guy you have to protect and keep alive. Mm-hmm. Cause if he, when he dies, generally you don't win a game. Um, <laughs> yeah. uh, it is possible to pull it out, but if you didn't have a great start, you lose the warden on the first round. And I, I pretty much know we're going for the next round. <laughs> <'Cause>, <laughs> um, uh, then you have kind of your three, your three heroes with the champion Prince of dust and the harvester. They're kind of the, The workhorse. Those are kind of the guys you do most of the stuff with, and then you have your Dangle Bros and the petitioners that are absolutely terrible
0: and there to hold objectives and not die. Yeah, yeah. One of the things that I've sort of found interesting um, in a lot of the games that we've played, um, a lot of the time it's me playing against your uh, skeletons. And um, the interesting thing to me about the petitioners is that like they are terrible. But they're also usually what you're trying to protect because they're on the objectives.
1: Yeah, you know, um, like it, it's it's a little bit different than like um, the thorns because like mm-hmm. the, the hard thing about a thing about their warband is that you have to wrap your head around is that your petitioners are probably the most valuable thing on the board. When they die, it actually makes your game way harder to win. So you have to yeah. put them all the way in the back, keep them keep them away from fighters they're easy glory for your opponent so like
0: you you don't want to lose them so you know right because the warden um just to go into him a little bit um, he's a pretty solid fighter um four wounds um the whole warband is two move one dodge uninspired and then they all go to three move uh when they inspire Uh, but a particular note, like, the, the Warband, considering a lot of the
1: cards out there, they have probably some of the most accurate fighters. Like, because mm-hmm. the Warden the goes up to three hammers, Champion has three hammers, Prince of Dust has three hammers. Like, there's very few
0: Warbands that get, like, fighters that are that accurate all the time. Yeah, they do have some really good offensive stats, I think, at the cost of their uh, low speed, low yeah. defense, and then their inspire condition is a little bit tricky. Um, can you talk about that a little bit? Yeah. So the inspired condition,
1: there's two, two of them. The, the other six, uh, the warden inspires when two friendly fighters are returned to the battlefield. And then all the other guys re, re, are inspired when they are returned to the battlefield. So in mm-hmm. order to inspire your people, they have to die, which is yeah. like, so if you run against a defensive war band or somebody that's not super aggro and holding back on objectives, it's really hard to um, uh, inspire your guys, especially since in the current meta, inspiration stix is gone. So, uh, but like in is that in Warhammer Underworlds or
0: um, online? You know, I think that if I think it might be, and if it's not, I'm sure it will be soon. So that is something worth uh, keeping in mind. But I think that's an important point um, in general, um, and we'll talk about cards that are you know are useful for this warband later. But if there's... Yeah if there's a way to inspire them early, sometimes that can be a really good, um, oh, sometimes that can be worth taking. Yeah. yeah
1: cause, cause yeah. I think that's probably the challenge with their inspiration is that you're reliant on the opponent to do something. So unless you take right. cards to, to do something about that, the, you know, the opponent, you know, it's not you rolling dice, like on Magors or pushing guys onto objectives or scoring glory of things you could control
0: my inspiration condition is very hard to in- influence. Yeah. Yeah. And then as far as bringing the guys back um, once they do die, how do you think about that?
1: Um, it's pretty amazing. Cause like one of the cool things when they come back is that first off, they keep all equipment cards attached to them. So mm-hmm. unlike some other war bands, if you like, if you uh, build up one fighter and they die, then all those cards are gone. You can bring that fighter back and keep building them up. So they have some mm-hmm. unique things with that. They can only come back on starting hexes uh, on your side. So, a little bit less versatile than like the Spite um the Skaven.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. Uh, but still really versatile. I mean, like, it, it's one of the defining things about their armies that it's seven models, and you might have to kill a lot more than seven models over the course of a game.
0: Yeah, and it, it is an action to bring that um, fighter back. How many times a game? Do you say so you try to do that? Uh, I think that's one of the big like
1: challenges of the, of the guard at first is that the trap mm-hmm. is is if you spend your whole game just returning fighters back to the battleground, you're probably just feeding glory to your opponent. So I try to limit right. it to about two times. But I figure if you can spend two out of your twelve activations in the game resurrecting people, then that means your wardens inspired and two other people are inspired. So Mm -hmm. that gives you, and if I want the champion and the harvester inspired, then that's my three big fighters ready to go. So like that's normal. Like I would, but if but I really try to catch myself if if I've already brought somebody back twice, that's you know a giant chunk of the game that I've spent just resurrecting
0: people. Yeah, is there a particular fighter that you think uh, is your favorite, or does that depend on the matchup, or? I think it. I mean, I have a personal soft
1: spot for the Harvester because yeah. he's super swingy, but like when when he goes off, it's just devastating. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but the Champion and the Harvester are probably my my workhorses. The Prince of Dust is actually uh, he's basically a glorified petitioner for
0: most games for me. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and I, I I've I've just noticed that um, probably the Harvester is the scary one. I, I think there was a game that I watched you play once that I think you killed. Uh, Kacharik and Vortimis in one attack with him in like the, it must have been like the second activation of the game. And it was like, okay, the game's over now.
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah I mean, like it's, it, he's he's pretty, I mean, he gets Whirling's, whirling, uh the Whirling Strike, so he can hit everybody next to him, and, and that's pretty huge.
0: So. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, but then in other situations, I think that, uh, especially against the smaller warbands, the champion tends to be the really scary one. Um, once oh, yeah. he inspires and hits a three smash, cleave, like, He's usually going to hit stuff.
1: Well, but the, yeah, the, the champion gets cleaved from the very beginning, so like he's always yeah. really good uh, and predictable. I mean, the the one thing for Prince of Dust is that he's he does get knockback from the beginning. So like if you have, I have, you know, all three of those guys have their uses, but it, I think it's very kind of uh, warband like what your opponent is, because mm-hmm. sometimes I, if if your opponent sets up right next to a a, a damaging hex or a lethal hex, the Prince of Dusk can be huge to get a couple extra points in because he's very accurate. He can run up, hit him, and then knock him out of the way. And you can kind of control the battlefield that way.
0: Yeah, and when he does inspire, he, I guess he is at three smash, he's, two damage. He's three smash, two. So. Is, isn't bad. Um, I guess if you're against dodge war bands, he's basically the same as the uh, champion. So, yeah. I, I've always sort of thought of him as like the sort of like the bouncer to sit in the back if there's like a hidden paths or a, somebody dives in for the petitioners or the warden, like maybe he can get them out.
1: Yeah, uh, like he, he, he's definitely kind of the the um,
0: the bottom of the three kind of characters for the warband. Yeah, uh, but you probably don't want to resurrect him if you can help it, uh, uh, if you have the choice between the other
1: two. Yeah, really yeah. If, if, I, if I'm going to spend one of my actions in the game, I would much rather... Uh, inspire the champion or the harvester instead because they just do work yeah
0: yeah no i think that makes sense um i guess in generally or in general what do you think the uh are the warband strengths and weaknesses
1: well the strengths is definitely they get numbers and the resurrection is pretty unique there's very few there's only what two warbands in the game right now that can uh, resurrect opponents or resurrect their guys and bring them back so there are some really unique things you can do to because to take advantage of that um i've played around with some of those tomes builds or putting like the artifacts and stuff on them because you can throw on in a petitioner and bring them back keys are really powerful for them so like, like there's a lot of kind of you can abuse equipment at, to actually kind of stack up on one fighter and
0: mm-hmm. and th- that's pretty unique to the skeletons i think I guess that, the other thing we forgot to mention was the warden has a a movement action as well
1: yeah the, the, the warden's two primary things is he can spend an action and then you can put a friendly fighter back in play and remove their counters. and then the second one is he can choose two friendly fighters and let them make a move action um okay. so that's really good especially for big war bands when you only have four activations in a turn you're never going to be able to move your entire war band but the warden lets you do that so
0: yeah. um so that's important um I know a lot of the time that'll just be your first activation, like especially if they make you go first, you'll just sort of position onto objectives and then put the ball back in their court.
1: Yeah, it's a great way to kind of delay
0: the game too because
1: you can Mm -hmm. kind of push your guys around and get them in better positions for the next activation or the next move um, or the next turn. Yeah, no, I think that makes sense. um, Weaknesses... um, I mean, the the movement is probably the biggest thing. They all have movement too. It's probably one of the slowest warbands out there, other than the dwarfs. Um, yeah. And so you end up spending a lot of your deck just kind of kind of compensating for that speed. Um, yeah. And so that's a big challenge, but it's 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 something surmountable. The, uh, the bigger challenge, I think, honestly, is the fact that they have zero defense. They have one dodge, which <laughs> might as well not be a dice. I mean, like, <laughs> yeah. even your even your leader only has one dodge. So I just assume if somebody's swinging on them, they're hitting. So you, have to, you kinda, have to kind of yeah. You have to, so I that's where I think like stuff like extra health for them is better than adding defense dice because. Mm. Their defense is abysmal, and even if you throw cards on them, you're just taking it up to about normal what a new warband has. Yeah. And then the, the final thing is, is compared to the other warbands out, there, like the newer warbands, they all the season one stuff just doesn't age as well. Um, right. Their car, they just don't have as good of cards as the other warbands. So if you're playing with brand new warbands and the and the new seasons and stuff, the skeletons are always going to be uphill battle. Now that's not to say that you can't win with them. I think they're probably in the strongest place they've been in a mm-hmm. long while, and they're still super fun. They're great in Warhammer Online. Um, they're uh, and then they're just fun to play. Like like the people the people that yeah. I've run into the play in, like play them because they really enjoy the
0: warband, not because they're the meta crusher. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I, I think it's a really unique play style um, because you have the – basically you have the warden sitting in the back kind of orchestrating. And then you have particularly the harvester and the champion. Um, usually I find playing very aggressively because you sort of want to force the other person to kill those fighters so that you can bring them back and make them even more powerful. Oh, and absolutely. the petitioners are sitting there getting you glory by holding objectives and things like that. So, And then unlike some of the other warbands like Thorns of the Briar Queen – um you want your fighters to die and you can bring them back so it is it is a very different feeling like i'd I'd say they're probably the most similar to thorns but it's still a very uh different feeling playing them and so like i think i would definitely recommend that from a like a experience standpoint and like uh sort of solving that puzzle is a lot of fun i find um they may also be better aggressively um, due I, I think it, they're due to better, their excellent fighter stats.
1: I think they're better aggressively than the thorns. I think thorns in general do pretty much everything they do better, but <laughs> yeah. uh, but they can resurrect, and that that's pretty huge. Um, and it's unique to them. Um, <laughs>
0: sorry, the dogs are
1: kind of going up. It's time now. Very good. Um. <laughs>
0: <laughs> um, one of the things, I, I, guess, I guess you're right, probably the, the single defense dice, I think, um, is the thing that affects them negatively the most. I think if there's ever a meta that uh, may be very good at one-shotting them, then um, that tends to be, like, so, there's a point where you've lost too many fighters and you've bled too much glory, and you might not be able to uh, come back. So. Yeah, 100%. Because,
1: and, and that's the big challenge, is like how do you overcome those two disadvantages, like the, the defense and the, and the movement speed? Because you have to address that in the game. If you don't, then you're going to have
0: a bad time. Yeah, as well as using like target priority to sort of get rid of those fighters that are going to be clearing out the ones uh, that you don't want to die. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think that's yeah. important.
1: Yeah, and, and, and you can definitely tell if someone's played against skeletons by who they target first because (laughs) generally when i'm deploying my guys i want my champion and prince of dust and harvester right at the front my warden all the way in the back and my petitioners kind of as far away from the fight as possible and if you're running straight for by petitioners then you kind of know how to tear tear apart the deck
0: (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah If, if you charge the harvester in and then they kill them and then you bring him back and then get a you know double or triple attack off then <laughs> that's a, yeah, a hard lesson yeah, to learn. <laughs> that, that, that's
1: that's working as intended. You killing my harvester or my champion is the
0: is working is my deck working as intended? Yeah. Yeah. We've already um, touched on the next question a little bit, um, but what strategies or playstyles do you think this warband like naturally finds successful? I
1: mean, they they're a big warband, so objective play is very easy for them, um, yeah. especially with the warden's move ability. So you can actually kind of score even some of the newer objectives like the um path to path to victory and uh uh
0: temporary victory temporary
1: temporary victory and uh and like the the score at the end of an activation they're really good at that Um,
0: yeah swift capture
1: all all that stuff so so they're really good they're really good at stuff like supremacy and some of the other like objective cards but generally because they have a lot of bodies you can kind of abuse that um they're uh they're actually fairly strong as kind of a, a little bit of a, a weird aggro, kind of a hybrid mix, because you mm-hmm. do have these kind of key fighters that are pretty mean. I mean, the Warden gets up to three damage base on when he inspires,
0: so if you have a way to get the Warden, the Warden can do work. Um, yeah. So yeah, I, I mean, Inspired, that's one of the most it's probably one of the best attacks in the whole game, because it's range two.
1: Yeah, range two, three hammers, three damage. I mean, like, he's perfect for throwing a damage upgrade on and one-shotting all of the all of the four-wound fighters. And, like, there's definitely kind of, like, uh, some good um, some good things you can
0: do with the Warden to kind of tool him up and make him into a Terror. Um, yeah, and like, so, like you said earlier, like, once you've brought him back, once you've brought a couple guys back with him and inspired him, there's a, probably a point in the second or third round where it may actually be okay to send him in.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Because because once once you've inspired kind of the key fighters, he's great as kind of a finisher. Like to do a little bit of damage with the mm-hmm. on the first couple of rounds with your three kind of characters, and then move the warden in to finish the job.
0: Yeah, makes sense. Um, and yeah, I think I think basically you sort of pick how far into aggro you want to go. Yeah, um, but that, that's but pretty much. Like, like, I don't really know do why you, really you would make a deck without supremacy in it. Yeah, I mean it, it's silly not
1: to. Because yeah. it doesn't have to be your entire focus. And I think you kind of lean between either like hybrid or a full um, a full objective play.
0: Yeah, like uh, with yeah. keys or something.
1: Yeah, because if you go super passive and get keys and all the objectives and you're just trying to sit back and score and try to get all that, that big boost at the end of the game, that's definitely a, a play style. Or you can kind of do the kind of in the middle where you're scoring some
0: objectives but using that those good fighters to do damage. Yeah. I think that makes sense. Um, let's go into the uh, their faction cards. Um, okay. What do you think your favorite faction cards are?
1: Well, um, so trying to keep this evergreen, I mean the 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 favorite okay. faction cards. Um, uh, I mean honestly, a lot of their in faction objectives are kind of poor. That my mm-hmm. favorite in faction objective would probably be like skills unforgotten. Which is when you score immediately if your leader takes an enemy fighter out of action, because yeah. like we talked about, the warden is is great at killing things. So it's it's nice to get just an instant glory for doing for him doing work. And with a range two, he can he can sometimes pull off a kill pretty early. Um, other the other objectives that I really like, march of the dead, is probably better in like a warhammer online play or uh, but <laughs> it, it it is it is pretty reliable it just requires you to take a lot of activations
0: um and then right. it's and it's really only good at the start of the game um yeah because that then, one requires you to move with all of your fighters and it has to be at least five of them right so if you've lost three guys you can no longer score that right. objective but yeah, it is, so it is two-quarters,
1: so you can sit back and score that pretty easily on the first round. It's it's really neat. That one's kind of more band specific If you're playing somebody who's sitting back and trying to hold their own objectives, March of the Dead is very easy to score. Mm-hmm. Uh, if they're moving in onto you, it's going to be a lot more challenging.
0: <laughs> and, uh, like, in Season 1 or on the online game, if someone's trying to do, like, a control setup and they're oh, not coming it. at you, then that could be a I mean, like, two-glory at the beginning of the game could be really good, so... I think that card has seen play um, historically.
1: Oh, yeah, yeah. But, like, it, it's probably the the next other kind of, like, undead objective that I would expect to see in a, in a deck. You might see people play more able bodies, which lets, if you take two or more fighters out of the preceding action phase. I mean, I've scored that a couple times with the Harvester, for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, so, like, there are some of their um, their objectives. But a lot of their objectives are kind of, like, they have three third end phase scores <laughs> in their, yeah. in their actions. And like, and that's just crazy. Like they just, they only have, let's see one. Yeah. They have one score immediately they have one surge <laughs>
0: yeah and it's skills i, like I sc- forgot goes so like
1: that's the one i take yeah. <laughs> so
0: um the other one i think that i've played i think i was playing this on the online one because their card selection was a little bit limited at first and I, I don't think it's a bad one but it is situational is battle without end which is when you bring back your second fighter from the dead oh yeah
1: that, um, that's actually sometimes
0: it, it, that's doable it has to be within that round though
1: yeah you have to bring out two fighters in the same round that's that's you know, I'm, I'm of the mindset that I like objectives where I don't have to rely on the opponent to do something. Mm-hmm. And yep. it's a it's a nice objective, but it's definitely kind of second tier for me because if you, they didn't kill two fighters already, you're not going to be able to play that objective.
0: Right. Yeah. So, and I've found that sometimes if – usually if you don't have uh, Restless Dead, which is another card I'm sure we'll talk yep. about, if you don't have that one in your hand, then you may not be able to score it. But I, I'd say that's the only other one even worth considering.
1: Yeah, the the other ones are just kind of so outlandish. Like, unless your opponent just gives you a perfect board setup, you're never scoring Claim the City. I mean, it is five glory, and it seems really cool, but you have to hold every objective. Um, Now, that could be a little bit more play with all the objective-destroying stuff or flipping things now in the new new seasons, but it's still Mm -hmm. kind of a...
0: You have to do everything right to score that card, so... Uh, Yeah, that could be an interesting... um... Strategy, it, it is worth five glory if you can pull it off or claim the city. So,
1: yeah, and spending two or three cards to score five glory might actually be worth it.
0: So, yeah, that, that's interesting. It's, um, it's one of those ones that you just worth keeping in mind if the meta ever sort of allows it. Um, the, I, and I guess something that will, uh, and we've kind of touched on this a couple times with some of the other, um, warbands we've done so far. I, I think season one, um, I think that it's pretty clear the designers were still kind of learning. Um, Oh, yeah, 100%. What, what to put in the Warband's uh, cards and stuff, and I think we'll notice it's a little bit of a power disparity um, compared to the Season 2 and 3 uh, I, I think
1: objectives are actually the biggest thing for them. I think they have really great gambits, mm-hmm. and they have really great upgrades, but I think objectives is where they miss out. And so if we have a really good set of, like, Season objectives, like in the Universal cards, then you can make exactly. some real deck, but most of your objectives are going to be Universal cards, whereas some other war bands like Molog or Rothcorn or uh, like basically everybody else are going to have <laughs> two or three of their objectives pretty reliably. They're going to be the same ones you expect to see every
0: time. Yeah. And what that probably ends up meaning is that uh, towards the end of the season, when the most cards are available, that might be the best time to look at some of these uh, war bands and see what uh, universal cards might work for them.
1: Oh, absolutely. Because like as we start to get into season three, I think uh, skeletons are definitely in kind of their strongest place because they have some choices. Yeah. Yeah. So gambits, I guess. Yeah. Let's go to gambits. Okay, so number one, like if I have to think of three cards that are pretty much like <laughs> I pull out of the binder every time I start playing uh, is restless dead um, and mm-hmm. terrifying screams and necromancer commands. Those are kind of almost in every single skeleton deck that I can imagine. Cause they're just amazing. Restless dead gives you a resurrect um, as a, uh, as a ploy. So, mm-hmm. You can do it right before the start of your turn and bring back that Harvester in a perfect spot to get a, a Whirling Strike. You can bring back that Petitioner at the last round with all the keys on him and then push him onto the objective to score a ton of glory. Like, it's the single, like, de- most defining card in the Skeleton deck because it lets you do their cool move uh, without, uh, without using an action. And action yeah. economy is huge in Warhammer Underworlds, so... Yeah, um, I would say it's probably the
0: single biggest power play that they have.
1: Absolutely, one hundred percent. Like, and if you don't draw that in the game, it's going to be a bad game. <laughs> yeah,
0: <laughs> yeah, you're absolutely right.
1: Because <laughs> it, it's kind of like a inspiration strikes in a card form. It not only brings the guy back, but also inspires them in, in most cases. So it, mm-hmm. it's a it's a, a neat a neat play. Uh, terrifying screams is probably my second choice because it's a push and double distraction in the deck is great. Especially with a warband that's kind of slow, so yeah. and now you can get triple distraction with nightmare in the shadows. So. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So like terrifying scream always ends up in my deck, and then uh, necromancer commands is one of those kind of normal poise where if they fail an attack, you can make the attack roll again. This is mm-hmm. great for scoring all kind of objectives, but just way to kind of score to get that fighter off an objective in the last moment, or really make it happen. And it's nice to have that kind of save.
0: Yeah. Um yeah, all your fighters are pretty accurate, but you know when you do miss, it's really nice to have that uh, in your back pocket.
1: The other ones that I kind of that kind of are like in my next kind of tier, I definitely like uh, Bone Shrapnel because like if you take out a fighter, you deal one damage to them. That's nice. It's kind of just a, a plink damage to kind of take down the big fighters. Yep. Uh, Ceaseless Attacks is kind of like Necromancer Commands, and you can really abuse it because uh, it lets you after an attack action make a attack action with a different fighter. So. I've used this to a lot of great um, effect by kind of moving the champion up, swinging on an attack and then throwing in fi- an attack with the harvester and you can eliminate three guys in one round uh, yeah, or, huh? or more. So like it's a, it's a pretty big swing too. Um, uh, other, the other ones that I kind of like, um, uh, form is neat because it lets you kind of move, uh, through other fighters and kind of control how you know so you can get through like a uh, especially if you're playing offset offset boards mm-hmm. uh, but a lot of the other ones require you to kind of have fighters off the battlefield which is a neat concept for the warband it's just really hard to kind of count on right so yeah. I, I tend to stay away from clawing hands dance macabre and grasping hands for that reason swift evasion sometimes like is that you choose a fighter and push them up to two hexes but you have to get away from people mm-hmm. so that's neat but i think there are better push cards than that one and sometimes just having a universal push and sidestep is better than that card
0: yeah i have played that one a little bit on the online game um oh yeah I think, for... I think they have sidestep um but i don't know if they have any i think it's either this one or the flickering step which is random yeah um, and uh, you have to you definitely have to be a little bit more uh careful when it comes to your positioning but i mean a push 2 is is pretty good so right. i think swift and, and evasion is sort of on the it's something on the to bubble. be aware yeah. of yeah know? like
1: you might see that in index and it's especially for if you're playing like the super defensive deck where you're just trying to survive with keys and stuff swift evasion might have a place in a deck like that
0: yeah that's true cuz you could resurrect and then uh, push 2 if you wanted. Yeah, and it'd keep your warden
1: alive, mainly. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, that's true, too. So, so, cool, yeah, I, I, I agree. I don't think I had any other um, Gambits on the list. I, and I would say they actually have a lot of upgrades that are pretty solid.
1: Yeah, upgrades, uh, Upgrades. I think the big things... So they have a couple that kind of show up in a lot of my decks. I mean, uh, Frightening Speed is probably my favorite one. Um, yep. Plus two move for the Harvester, Champion, and Prince. It's the, the like... That makes them into a normal fighter in <laughs> season two, season three. <laughs> like it, yeah. it's pretty huge, and when your harvester is suddenly moving five squares across the board to get that whirling strike off, like it really expands your threat range. Um, so mm-hmm. like that is almost in every deck I play. Um, the other one I like, Undying plus one wounds. That's a faction specific. So again, like like we talked about earlier, because their defense rolls are so bad, wounds are way better than trying to push defense dice. So anything yeah. extra that can stack with like Tome of Vitality or the other kind of plus one, a great, great, uh, fortitude. Those are actually pretty good because pushing your warden up to five wounds makes him really, really hard to kill.
0: Yeah, exactly. And, or you can just put it on an already inspired named guy. Um, maybe you even put it on a petitioner to you know, get him out of that two damage.
1: Yeah. I mean, like, so, so undying sees, I see, I see that a lot. Yeah.
0: Um, yeah, that's a solid the other,
1: one. The other ones I definitely like, um, Deathly charge is great. I mean, you're going to put on your champion and it gives him a plus one damage when he makes a charge action. That's that's generally what he's going to be doing. <laughs> he yep. has cleave. He's super accurate, so it's an, like an alternate version of the kind of great strength. So that lets you get a couple plus one damage. You know, I think depending on the card selection, there are better plus one damages than that. But yeah, for if if you're limited on cards, like playing on Warhammer uh on, on online, then Deathly Charge definitely I think sees a lot of play because it. it ups your best fighter
0: yeah and um, a lot of um like in a lot of metas it's one of the only uh plus one damage other ones other than great strength yep. which you probably also take uh, oh yeah, like, yeah we have glory seeker now which is <laughs> uh, which is maybe better or about sting, as good as sting the, of the urgrub kind of replaces and now we have the... sting of
1: the urgrub yeah because uh, that can go on the harvester the champion or the prince so like the restriction right. there is what keeps if that was just a put it on the <laughs> harvester <laughs> champion prince like that card would go in almost every time
0: yeah uh, that's true something to be aware of I guess is the way that it's worded is you can charge and then that fighter can die and then because they've made a charge when you bring them back they still get that bonus oh yeah so that's kind of interesting
1: it can be a way to kind of uh, keep it uh, keep it going for you um, yeah. the other kind of attacks I, I like um, fat, fatal strike is cool because like if they get removed out of play they get to take a two-hammer, two-damage, swing back on you, which is kind of neat. Um, that's especially, it goes on the champion, so if you're using the champion really aggressively, if you just leave him alive, he's going to keep murdering your people. If you try to take him out, he might get that one last swing, and especially if he gets into the backfield, that makes it really hard to throw your kind of dangle bros against him because he could wipe them out at the same time. And, that's, yeah. and and then because he can come back, you can keep doing it. So like unlike most of those attacks where it's like you just get one attack, when they die you could get this attack off two three four times in a game <laughs> <laughs> um,
0: yeah so, you'd think they would learn eventually but
1: <laughs> I, I mean i i've, I've had people kill a multiple time and take a fatal, fatal strike uh, a couple times at least
0: yeah um and that's the cool it, thing about this warband is you you're kind of putting your fighters in a position where they have to be killed or they're going to like get you an even better benefit so
1: oh absolutely and 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 the champion a harvester and the prince are all dangerous. Like so, mm-hmm. you can't ignore them. So if you're ignoring those guys, then I might be scoring my objective, and it becomes a race to see if I can score my objectives before you score yours. Yeah.
0: yeah
1: um, exactly. Other ones I like lethal lunge gives the warden cleave, which but he loses the dice of uh, he only gets two hammers, but when he's not upgraded, that's a pretty big that's a pretty big push. And if you're yep. fighting like storm stormcast oh. and all the guys that have uh, two to shield defenses that's add, throwing an extra cleave in there is really great for the same reason grim cleave kind of is on the bubble for a lot of decks because it gives the harvester cleave and doing a whirling strike and cl- with cleave is pretty great
0: <laughs> yeah that's true and I, I'm pretty sure the way the math uh, works out um, I think that's I think it ends up being better if they if, against two block um, than the even the inspired attack um,
1: oh yeah um, so Grim, Grim Cleave definitely, but like, those kind of cards all seize on there. Uh, uh, I have seen a lot of decks that use Ancient Commander, uh, which get, lets you do three friendly fighters when you do the Warden's Move instead of two, mm-hmm. um, which yeah. can be cool. Um, or the Warden's Call from the, the Leader's Pack, where it lets him put two friendly fighters on guard as an action. Right. This, but yeah, that's generally going to be in kind of, like, defensive deck. Assumed Command what makes the Prince count as two supporting fighters uh, doesn't seem like much. And then remember yeah. shield changes a defense role to a shield uh, <laughs> one shield versus one Dodge. I, I don't want to waste a card on that.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I do like grim cleave. I think that's probably the only other one that I think um, I would even consider, but that's more of a meta call. Um, yeah. Like right now in the online game, I think grim cleave is actually worth it. Cause what it does is it makes the harvester have cleave.
1: Oh yeah. And, and um, for, and just giving cleave on all their attacks it's not it's not uh, conditional or limited like cuz like focused attack is another one that makes the yeah. harvester get cleave on crits which is cool but like if you're going to choose between the two always having cleave or requiring a crit to get cleave I'm going to pick the cleave.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I mean they 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 do have a, a number of like I would say B level cards that maybe you'll take if you have a particular meta or you're trying to do something but um yeah. But I mean, honestly, I would say the main uh, place faction card wise that they feel lacking is the objectives. Having you know three gambits and two or three or maybe four upgrades that you take or consider taking is actually pretty uh, pretty pretty good, even yeah. at, at modern standards.
1: And and that's and that's why I think that they're in the kind of the best place they've ever been because they had mm-hmm. some really solid gambits and upgrades. Objectives is where they lack. So if you have a really good pool of good objective cards like at the end of a season, that's where they start shining, because then you can kind of counter that weakness.
0: Yeah, I think that makes a lot of sense. Um, uh, Speaking of universals, what kind of universals do you think um, you're looking for, Um, either generally or we can go into specific examples?
1: Uh, I think anything that lets them kind of take it, like, I'm always going to probably put two or three cards in the deck to kind of cover for movement. Uh, either like a plus one move, like with great speed, uh, that kind of, um, frightful speed for plus two move. I, I might take spectral wings, which I love. Um, yep. uh, any kind of card that kind of increase their movement or give like pushes and stuff like commanding stride or, um, sidestep mm-hmm. is probably in almost every deck for them because, or cause you want to, there, you get into a situation where you have seven guys making a couple of one move things might score an objective for you. So like having movement shenanigans is kind of probably the key card that I see put into there uh, that that I consider when I'm thinking of universals, uh, for objective wise, I like, I like objective scores, like things like, like, especially in the new meta where you have like temporary victory and sort of and stuff. Those cards are pretty much auto includes. I think Mm -hmm. supremacy is in their deck pretty much every single time. Um, I think, uh, Ways that you can kind of abuse the warden's ability to move two guys, if you can find cards that kind of synergize well with that, you have a lot of ability to make your warband a lot a lot more, um, you can move your guys a lot better than some of the big warbands. And mm-hmm. you're not as restrictive as some, like maybe like goblins or some of the other ones. So you get a lot more control of it. And if you can abuse that, then those are kind of the objectives I go for. So when I'm thinking of objectives, I, like, I also like things that kind of reward you for being aggro. Because, like, the champion's great, so, like, what what armor is perfect for him because he starts with Cleave and you can score that from turn one. Yeah. Uh, I think... Yeah, and uh,
0: even even though you only have one fighter with Cleave, because you can bring him back and he's probably going to be there for the whole game. Um, yeah, it's pretty it, reliable. Yeah. Really like,
1: so I think I think what armor is probably one of my six surges pretty much every time wow. I play. Um, I like... I, I, I sometimes throw in the kind of, like, the... Uh, um, Skills Unforgotten to get one off of the the commander. But, like, killing things is good, too. So, like, anything that, like, rewards you. You can reasonably score stuff, like, keep chopping with them. um, Because they have a lot of fighters, so you can always get some attacks off. Like, so, like, taking advantage of the numbers of fighters you have on the board or ways to kind of control objectives. I think that's probably the ones I really go after. And movement stuff. Yeah.
0: Yeah, I think that makes sense. Yeah, and so... And they also, I would say they tend to um, score a lot of glory when they're doing well. Um, so I've considered cards like maybe Hoarder, which is just kind of a win more card.
1: Um, oh, yeah, absolutely. Because like some of my best skeleton decks have really spiked heavy into like 20, 25 glory pretty regularly. and yeah.
0: Especially uh, if you're adding keys or Cryptic Companion
1: yeah and especially with all, yeah any other way that you can get like because that's the big thing you have to account for is like your, your objective deck is what makes a skeleton deck i think if you have a good objective deck then your skeletons can do okay um, yeah and that's kind of the first place i
0: start with skeletons right and um, then it's really just a matter of like how aggro do you want to be or how end phase glory focus with the keys and pushes and things
1: yeah because i would put restless dead on the table first
0: and then <laughs> build my deck around that <laughs> Yeah, that one's that one's definitely going in there for sure. <laughs> um, let's see, what would you say are their preferred matchups? What do they like to see across the table? Um, they definitely like the big warbands, like running against
1: goblins or something where you can abuse the harvester or have lots of targets. They really, they love that thing. Like even stuff like, um, like Grimwatch, um, like having guys to attack is really important because, like again, they're really slow. So if it's only like two or three models like curse breakers sitting back in the back, you're going to have to spend multiple actions probably just getting close enough to do anything. So if they have a lot of bodies on the table and you have an attack that you can take on the on the first activation of the game, that's great. Yeah. So like so ha- you know, something that kind of counters for your slow speed is, is kind of nice. I think the bad matchups are those kind of small war bands because uh, especially the four health war bands because they all only do two damage uninspired, So it's actually a little challenging for him dealing with some of those kind of big beefy fighters. That's where I think some of the bit, the worst matchups are stuff like Crothgorn or Moloch. Moloch mm-hmm. is just a nightmarish for them. Like I, because he just does so well <laughs> at getting in and murdering all your petitioners. And Yeah. Uh, so, they, so like the, those kind of like the really kind of like elite armies are going to be, I think the toughest for them to fight.
0: Yeah. I think that makes sense. Um, when you're setting up the boards, um, what do, how do you usually think about that process in those different matchups?
1: Um, you know, there was one piece of advice that uh, I really liked that you gave me back in the day That if uh, that is kind of the start first in my mind, is that when you place boards, you have to look at if you do nothing, are they going to be able to sit back and score all their objectives? And if so, then you need to kind of set it. It's so, like if you if like if i win the dice roll i'm generally trying to do an offset board because i want to keep my petitioners and guys in the back and out of range of your fighters i want to force you to deal with the three champions like the champion harvester and prince so like right. offset boards with kind of a there's the um what is it like the shattered citadel has like the two block texts right at the beginning mm-hmm. um yeah. Uh, like I, I love that one because like it has two starting hexes right at the front. You can put your champion harvester right up front, get them right in the line, and keep everything back. Even and even have line of sight blocking versus the range warbands. So like, yeah, that's ways... the star dial, I think. Yeah. Oh, the Sicilian yep. yeah. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. So I really like that. That's kind of that's probably in my rotation at least once during a tournament game, and I think that's my
0: favorite one in the online game.
1: Yeah, like it, it's just great for them, because like it, right. it it keeps all your guys in the back out, out, of, out of the way. It gives you a place to hide the Warden if you want, mm-hmm. um, and it's just great. Because like you want to keep the Warden protected, and you want to keep the Petitioners protected. So any right. board that lets you kind of create distance is going to be great for them.
0: Um, Especially in their bad matchups, probably. Right, Because if you can question... let you know, Magors or Malog into the middle of your guys right away, then that may actually be... Uh, worse for you than trying to get to that third objective
1: right yeah i almost never set up long boards with them Mm -hmm. because i think that's just too punishing with their low movement
0: yeah it's Uh, it's also kind of like you're packing them into like a tunnel (laughs) yeah malog or like an aggressive warband can kind of just like kill them uh down the hallway yeah (laughs)
1: Yeah. Uh, now sometimes though like depending like if i'm playing against like goblins or something i will tend to pick one of like straight up boards where i can have a bunch of starting hexes at the first at the front so i can get the champion and the warden and the harvester up in, into the mix faster mm-hmm. so like so I, I think alternate between offset or kind of straight up but i almost never do log boards
0: yeah and i think i think like you were saying you always want to look and see like you know who will win if you do nothing i think that's something that um tony field one of our first guests on the podcast mentioned um and sort of the concept of uh, who is the beat down um and so I, I think that what you're what you're talking about is is related to that and like if you know that the enemy is more aggressive than you then you probably need to set up defensively Correct. if you think that you're more aggressive like one of the interesting things <laughs> is um i think these uh this warband has a really interesting game into grimwatch I think you're more aggressive than Grimwatch because you don't want them to inspire.
1: Oh, absolutely, and and then so you may want you to have set up wide really good fighters. Them. Yeah, like it would be it would going wide against them would be great. It's also great versus yeah. goblins or um, even some of the other kind of like five like uh, Godsworn and things like that. Um, yeah. Yeah. So like, so de- yeah, definitely want to kind of point your strengths, but also remember the game's about winning. So if if you can't get to them. How are you going to deal with that? And the speed is the thing you have to kind of keep in your mind because they only move two spaces. And if you if you can't if you have a board set up where your big fighters are going to have to move take two actions to move you're probably not going to win that
0: game. Yeah, and and that's and, why mobility is so important when it comes to cards like spectral wings and like maybe Faneway crystal. Um, oh, absolutely, or hidden paths if it's still in the game. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's uh, great in the online one right now.
1: Yeah, so, so w- ways to get your big fighters where they need to be is, is kind of a thing. And then the other thing, especially with uh, the guard, is that you really have to be kind of thinking like two or three moves ahead because you only have 12 activations in a game. How are you going to score the most glory in those 12 activations? And because some of those activations might require you to use the ward and move two petitioners and then move another fighter, you have to kind of be thinking how are you going to set up
0: to score that objective all the time with them. Yeah. Then, yeah. That's another important <coughs> thing when it comes to you, to using the warden. You have to remember <coughs> that if you charge with him too early, you can't activate him later. <laughs> right. I know I've done that before with uh Scritch and uh the Warden.
1: Yeah, especially especially if he's going to if you're going to use him um, ever want to, uh resurrect him because if you if you commit him too early and he dies, then you have restless dead and it's like,
0: Exactly. Um, yep.
1: And then the other thing I definitely is you have to be very careful about wasting too many actions resurrecting. Like, right. That's kind of my heart of me. If I have resurrected two guys, I need to stop.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I try to do what I can to win the game. Right. Because uh, you're gonna start bleeding activations at that point, and you br- sometimes you'll bring somebody back and then they'll immediately die.
1: Right. And and, that, and just, those are the games I end up losing. Because <laughs> yeah. you have Russell dead, right? So if you bring two people back, that means you could have brought back three people. That could have that means your three big fighters could have been resurrected, all inspired, and your Warden inspired. And that's <laughs> four out of seven people inspired. That's that's a reasonable cost. Like so, it's so it's important not to be afraid of bringing people back, but make sure that it's worth it.
0: Yeah, I think I think that's one of the cool things about this and some of the other resurrection war bands is you really have to consider that additional resource that you have that other people don't. And that's like fighters that you can bring back, but it's, there's still a cost associated with it.
1: Well, but, so. but it's like, but it's like any other war band. Think about like a, mm-hmm. how many activations you're taking to set up Magor to make, get a swing off. So you can inspire or get making Hrothgorn or taking all your moves with um, Grimwatch. Like most war bands are going to spend about two activations trying to inspire their fighters right at least in the game so that that's why so so if you think of think of your your resurrection not only as kind of bringing more people back and establishing that in america but also the normal cost of doing business in warhammer underworlds where you're trying to inspire your fighters
0: yeah yeah and if you think about it the advantage that you're getting when you bring back a you know uninspired champion and then suddenly he's inspired and then maybe you pile upgrades on and play haymaker or something like it's it's incredibly good. Um, so, but you know, just like anything else, there, there's going to be a balance to it. So. Mm-hmm. 100%. Um, okay. Well, I think I think we've covered almost everything. Um, I, the second to last thing here is what are some things that you would recommend someone trying this warband out for the first couple times? Um, what would you recommend that they keep in mind? And uh, then we can keep it short. But
1: okay. Uh, and the the big the big thing on there is. Uh, abuse your your heroes because mm-hmm. you want the champion and harvester to die, so you have to play kind of aggressively with them. Mm-hmm. And if they go out there and die, that's working as intended. You want to keep the warden alive as long as possible so he can keep moves and keep uh, resurrections on the board. And um, I think they really flex well into aggro. So uh, especially if you're starting out, Like, throwing cards, like uh, damage increases, like great strength and stuff, are actually pretty reasonable for them. Uh, I think they, a lot of my, like, a lot of my war uh, builds involve stuff like um, Tome of Offerings or Trophy Belt or ways to get additional glory off of kills. Mm -hmm. Because they're really good, they're really accurate. They're really good at killing things. So, like... The, when I went to a Grand Clash, the skeleton list I lost to was playing like a super aggro skeletons and it was really cool to see. Yeah. Uh, and then a throw in that they can pretty much score supremacy pretty reliably and those objectives, like choosing that, I think hybrid is where probably where they're best. I think it, it's, they they play naturally there. Mm-hmm. If you try to go that really super defensive, score all the objectives modes and try to have like hold objectives and Temporary victories and all that in there, you're going to have to be really careful about how you play the game in order to win well with those. And so, starting yeah. out, I think having kind of kind of a mix of objectives and kind of aggro is a really great place for them to be. Cool.
0: Cause yeah. It just I plays that makes naturally
1: to what you want to do. Because I like it's fun when you charge and get your old dice and like that's the game. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah, makes sense. Um how would you uh how do you think you would play them in the current meta? Which is I, I guess for uh, people that might be listening to this later is Beastgrave with Rothgorn and Nurgle release.
1: The honest answer is you don't. <laughs> 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 because again, Thorns basically does everything they do better. Um yeah. <clears throat> and that's why i played a lot of thorns lately because thorns give me that same kind of feel of the undead warband as them but if i'm going to play them (laughs) and play them in the current meta i think that kind of hybrid where they can mix between killing things and um scoring like those quick objectives like temporary victory swift capture and things like that they are surprising and the cool thing about them is that I think in the current meta, people kind of discount the skeletons. They assume, hey, they're a season war one warband, they're just not competitive, I i don't have to worry about this. And yeah. you get off off guard because they're really accurate, they can do some damage, they can score some surprising objectives, and they have a lot of versatility for how they can play. Because like, I think there's a really good play for something like a tomes build, or um, throwing, because like you could throw all tomes onto a petitioner, mm-hmm. save that save that uh restless dead until the last activation of the game bring him back push him on an objective and score and score right Uh, and you could have a huge swing at the end of the game and even if the warden dies just by hanging on to that one card so like like the um uh the bag of tricks that lets you search for a card that's great to bring in uh and bring up your uh your restless dead to save in the game uh and Restless dead is probably that one card that kind of swings games for you. So if you can find ways to kind of abuse that, that's really, really great. Yeah. Uh, um, I think so. And then, and then just super aggro. I think, I think, I think they have a lot of play with like kind of that going out there, Tome of offerings, maybe even like trophy belt or something to kind of just build up a lot of glory. Cause the harvester can do work on a big war band. Uh, and I think that one's Hunter
0: only, but I, I agree with the uh, Tome of offerings. Yeah.
1: Well, uh, yeah, well you could play a card to make somebody somebody hunter if you really felt like it. But <laughs> yeah. but tumble offerings, tomb offerings is almost is one of my restricted cards pretty regularly cuz it's just good on any of the fighters. Um I generally yeah. like weapon cards like um, especially in warhammer roll like shade glass dagger or things that are uh uh larval lance, things that turn a petitioner into kind of a dangerous opponent.
0: Um Yeah, I, I think that the uh the amberbone weapons might be an interesting way to play them as well. Mm-hmm. Um because now that we have four of them, you can kind of take a lot of them if you want to.
1: <laughs> yeah, so um,
0: like like things that
1: kind of like make that kind of build onto like that really good accuracy, or just the like the things that kind of buff the way that you're attacking are great. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I, I think that's probably where where like I'm I'm really considering kind of as we get these like once we get over out of the COVID nightmare, that maybe try to break <laughs> them out and throw together some decks and see what I can do with them. Because uh, again they are because they don't have good objectives and they're in faction if you have a a really wide card pool they get better Mm -hmm. and so at the end of the season is probably the my favorite time to
0: play them yeah and i think um i think right now there's some interesting cards like coveted spoils where um all objectives are held that that might be doable Um, oh yeah subjective warbands. i've been playing with uncontested with uh skaven which uncontested is if i hold two and the other person doesn't hold any and i think skeletons might be able to do that as well because they have up you can take up to three distractions so if they're on two objectives and you just push everybody off (laughs) at the last power step that could be another three glory Um, they they, they could probably
1: you could probably flex into a pretty good control deck with emma too if you really play well just because they have access access to a lot of pushes and stuff, um, right? So like, so I that's why I like them. They're just really versatile. Like you, you when you go up against a sepulchral guard player, you have to be kind of really cautious about what they're playing because they could be pretty much anything.
0: Yeah, I definitely like, think that if, before you learn how to play against them, they can definitely surprise you, and even then, you have to make sure that you're taking them apart, like correctly is how i think about it
1: yeah the hardest games are when people ignore the harvester and champion and you <laughs> miss a bunch of dice and then they just murder all your petitioners and kill the warden
0: like, yeah
1: so like if you lose the warden and you lose all your petitioners you're probably not winning that game yeah so
0: i, I definitely agree with that
1: <laughs> so how can you avoid those things so like that's where i like health cards and all and like, and that's what i would play in a meta the big meta sh- shifts uh i think they play like you said i think they have a uh, actually a pretty good matchup versus grimwatch because yeah they can really stop him from inspiring and do some damage and kill off all the ghouls. I think their nightmare matchups are versus like Moloch. like uh,
0: Yeah, probably Hrothgorn too.
1: Hrothgorn's uh, Roth- mean as well, just be- especially with ranged, and he's always going to be able to kind of... Your, your movement is going to be a lot more hurtful in that kind of matchup than yeah. than another one. Uh, so, that, is,
0: that is why I think currently when you do play them, it's important to play... Um, a lot of probably extra damage, like great strength, Sting of the Urgrub, Maybe yeah. I'll there. at
1: least put two uh, two cards in to do uh, plus one damage for my fighters. Yeah. And then so, and then a lot of times I'll throw in something that does like a plank damage, like a, um, like lethal ward or stuff like that, so where you can do a couple of extra damage to finish off a fighter because it's pretty easy to get your fighters up to three damage, but not necessarily up to that fourth damage. So you have right. to be How are you going to kind of kill a guy in one fight? Because remember, with one defense dice, they're going to die if they get attacked, basically. Mm -hmm. So you have to make that one swing count. So if I can go up there and do four damage in a
0: swing, I'm going to have a pretty good game. Mm -hmm. Yep. I think that makes sense. I think another card that I like a lot for them right now is Mischievous Spirits. Because you can push them onto the starting hexes. (laughs) Oh, yeah. It also I, works really good with the uh, Warden action, because you can you can do Mischievous Spirits and probably have one guy on an objective, and then the Warden can push two more and you get temporary victory.
1: <laughs> yeah, and Mischievous Spirits opens up a lot of, like, really powerful moves for um, keys and stuff on that last round, bringing people yeah. back on
0: top of objectives. Yeah. Yeah, yeah and, and a lot of the time it'll be the opponent that plays the uh, Mischievous Spirits, too, to mess you up or something. And then as you're pushing your... Uh, objectives around you can just you know try to make sure that they're on the starting hexes and that can help you later so it, it's a it's a cool interaction it's something that only the uh, resurrect warbands really get to do so yeah. um, and so so yeah
1: so i think i really think that even in the current meta they have a lot of play you can still do pretty well i don't think they're that warband that wins a grand clash <laughs> yeah. uh, just because of that, that not having in faction objectives. Like I think if you think of all of the warbands the, in the meta that are kind of at the top of the meta, they have strong in faction objectives, mm-hmm. and those are the warbands that are going to win grand clashes. And that's why you see Grimwatch and Cursebreakers and Molog and all that kind of stuff. Uh, but I think in local play, they definitely have a lot of advantage. I'm hoping to win a. A shade glass trophy with them eventually and i might i'm planning on taking them maybe to my next uh uh store tournament or uh, i might even take them to like one of those uh uh those citadel tournaments since they have pretty big tournaments there because they're yeah. pretty cool as a spoiler just just keep in mind that it's going to be an uphill <laughs> battle uh and as long as yeah. you want to take that risk like just because season war one warbands aren't as good as grimwatch like we're talking like moving at the the win rate from like Fifty percent to forty percent, like they're still effective. Yeah, you can still win games. A good player will win a lot of games with Sepulchre S- 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 Guard.
0: I also think it'll teach you a lot about the game because you have to think pretty far ahead and you have to, you know, make the most of your tools. And if you go from playing these guys for a while and then you move on to Thorns or Grimwatch or something, it'll be like uh, the training wheels are off. <laughs> I, or, honestly, I, I think that's like where that. most
1: of my most of my tournament victories happen is because I spent so long playing Supracal Guard, and just losing game after game after game until I really got down and learned some of those core lessons of playing competitively in Warhammer Underworlds. And yeah. when I went into Thorns, it was just like something, oh, this is what it's like having good dodge, good objectives, good everything else.
0: Right, right, right. <laughs> so And, and, and a, the Queen is so much better than anything in the... <laughs>
1: yeah, so, format, so, yeah, so that's where... Uh, I'm definitely appreciative of what Sepulchral Guard have taught me about the game. And I think you'll be a stronger player if you really understand how the Sepulchral Guard play and win.
0: Cool. Well, I think um, that is everything I have uh, about the Warband, unless there's anything else you want to mention. Uh, No, not really. Yeah, they're they're fun. They're one of my favorites. I'll keep
1: them around. They were my first one I painted. (laughs) Uh, I still want to win a trophy with them, so they're kind of uh on my list and i think in warhammer online um they have a lot of great play
0: yeah yeah they're the probably the warband that i've played the most on there um and i i think they're pretty pretty good so i haven't i haven't played since the i think they just released the skaven and uh i think they actually just left early access today um so i'm gonna probably start playing it more but yeah i just i just got an alert on steam today that it was available so cool um all right well the last thing we're going to do is just some rapid fire questions real quick um okay. the, the questions are quick i guess if you want to answer them you can answer them however you want um the first one is what is your favorite fighter in the game and this can be for any reason uh briar queen it's <laughs> just cool. uh, a great model I like her. great model yep. great fighter it's just iconic it's great yeah yeah she's, she's <laughs> excellent um <laughs> What is your favorite warband to play, and what does that say about you as a person? <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, probably not good things. <laughs> <laughs>
0: if it's <Folklore> Guard. <laughs> well, it's like, I like I – like
1: uh, the, the warband I like playing most is probably Thorns. Yeah. Um, just because I feel like I have a lot of control of the game. So I like them, but they're kind of – they're really powerful. Like I – I'm kind yeah. of a power gamer. I like playing the powerful warbands. So I've played Grimwatch. I've played Rothkorn. I've played Moloch. I won a trophy with Moloch. Like uh, I'm not against using kind of the the high-level meta bands. So <laughs> I guess that's probably the, the – I play warbands I, I, I that win.
0: <laughs> sure. Yeah, I, I think that uh, makes a lot of sense. Um, if you could bring any card from Season 1 back to the championship format, what would that be right now?
1: Inspiration Strikes.
0: Oh, Okay. Um, is there a model that you have loved painting the most or can't wait to paint the most?
1: I really liked painting the warden. I think he's a really neat model to paint. Like he has a lot of like cool surfaces. You can play with different textures. A uh, cloak gives you a lot of places to do like different, um, yeah. um, like, uh, shading and things. So I think he was fun. Uh, I've really liked playing the night Hunt just because you can play with different, I have really tried to do some wet blending and kind of like up my painting game for them. And Hrothkorn's kind of next up on the table because he's just a really cool, like, characterful model, has a lot of neat details, and I think he'll be fun to paint.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um, let's see. Next one is, what warband would you like to see in the future? And this can, I guess, be, like, from a mechanics perspective or a faction or model count, any, anything you want. You know,
1: I would love to see a Tomb King warband.
0: Mm. <laughs> or, like, like, <laughs>
1: but that, that's just my, that's my first fantasy army so i love it i'm really interested in like an Ossiac bone reaper army i think that would be really neat to see like another kind of like i'm always gonna be an undead fanboy but like <laughs> yeah seeing like something like with the bone reapers or maybe even like um a little bit more of kind of the vampire counts kind of heavy like what like a vampire leader or something like that would be neat
0: yeah yeah i think the first thing i thought when i saw the the bone reapers announced was Ooh, i want a warband for them
1: (laughs) oh yeah and and i think bone
0: rapers will eventually
1: come i think that's most likely to be the next undead warband if i had to guess
0: yeah i wouldn't be surprised um let's see next one is if you could change one thing about a current warband or card what would it be that's a good question um (laughs)
1: Well, for a, for a sepulchral guard, I wish like a, even just all the season one stuff. I wish they would <laughs> update some of the cards because like the guards should definitely have like three movement each, uh, yeah. and probably the warden should have two dodges to begin with.
0: Uh, right, or, and, or just they could all be on block or something.
1: Or yeah, or like like or like they have like four guys with shields and they don't have block. <laughs>
0: like, like,
1: right, I have would, to remember it. Yeah, like <laughs> uh, but like. like a small crowd are are one of my favorite warbands like i wish they were like more competitive because if you look at them compared to like a season three warband those warbands just have just way better just all around stats on the card look at some like curse breakers or uh grimwatch like just like they just get really great (laughs) like faction cards and i think if you fixed those faction cards then even season war, one warbands could still be playable going to the future. So, like, if I, if if I was king of the world, I would love to see like an upgrade <laughs> pack that give you different warband cards for some of the older warbands. Yeah, and yeah. Like, like or like maybe making like one of the fighters a wizard or something like like because like that's kind of the sure. big challenge that there. Some of these season one warbands don't interact with all of the mechanics of the game, like spells and um and the and the new stuff. So. Yeah kind of bringing that back that would be neat to see i think
0: so yeah that makes sense to me um let's see last thing is just uh where can people find you if they want to hear more of you or at talk to you is there anywhere they can reach out i'm on twitter
1: uh and uh i guess i'm on facebook but i I mean i i I, my online presence is not as big as some other people
0: so well, they can they can come to Dallas and play we come to Dallas with play at Texas the- Toy Soldier. I
1: love going there. I generally go to the Warhammer Citadel here in uh, Texas, so like those are the two places I generally come. And then I I'll probably hit up some of the tournaments in the DFW area. So
0: yeah, yeah. And then if, if uh, events ever start up again, I know you went to Gen Con and uh, maybe other I would ones.
1: love to go to another Grand Clash. Like that's kind of on my bucket list to go and take and go to another uh, a big tournament. I enjoy Gen Con. But I'd like to maybe try, like, Adepticon or, like, one of the more kind of, like, game-focused ones and not not so many people.
0: Yeah. Makes sense. Cool. All right. Well, I think that is going to be it for this episode. Um, If anyone has any feedback, questions, or comments, they can let us know on Facebook at Path to Glory Podcast. You can also follow us on Podbean where you can find the show notes for this episode. Rate us on iTunes. And thank you for listening. We wish you the best of luck on your path to glory.
1: I really liked painting the warden.